Let's check out your headlines for today. To do that, we'll bring in Natalie Lovey from the 980 CFPL Newsroom. Good morning, Natalie. Good morning, Devin. London's new city council will be sworn in today. Yeah, definitely an exciting day. Three weeks after Londoners went to the polls, London's new city council will be sworn in at RBC Place. The city's new council will look very different than the old one. There will be eight new councillors and a new mayor. Josh Morgan replaces Ed Holder as mayor. Morgan served as Holder's deputy for the past two years and decided to run for the top job after Holder announced he wouldn't seek a second term. One of Morgan's first jobs will be to select who will serve as his deputy. Transit, homelessness and affordable housing were some of the big issues that dominated the campaign and will figure prominently in the early going. The new council will also begin work on the new multi-year budget in the coming weeks. While council will normally meet at City Hall, tonight's inaugural meeting will be held at RBC Place. The meeting starts at 6 o'clock tonight and will include the mayor's inaugural address. The public is allowed to attend. Now donations will be collected for the London Abused Women's Centre in recognition of Wear Purple Day. The federal government says it has secured more foreign shipments of kids' pain medications. Yeah, Canadian store shelves and pharmacies will be restocked with more children's pain and fever medications in the coming weeks, which is a big relief. Health Canada is currently distributing an imported supply of children's medication to hospitals, but has announced more foreign supply is on the way for drugstores as well. It did not say how much or from where the shipments are coming. A month-long shortage of Tylenol, Advil and similar brands has been fueled by a triple threat of COVID-19, influenza and RSV. Health Canada says the countrywide shortage is due to unprecedented demand. Manufacturers of these drugs in Canada have increased production by 30%, but demand continues to outpace supply. Now, some parents have been forced to travel to the United States to access necessary medications for their kids, while others are being gouged by people selling some of these products online for hiked prices. Well, a day after the Chief Medical Officer of Health for Ontario recommended we all wear masks, there are calls for the province to go even further. Yeah, no surprise here. The Registered Nurses Association of Ontario is calling on the provincial government to immediately mandate masks to protect children from COVID-19, RSV and influenza. Association President Dr. Claudette Holloway says the government's inaction to mandate masks to help healthcare workers and children is both reckless and alarming. Dr. Kieran Moore, Ontario's chief medical officer, yesterday recommended indoor masking and said he is discussing and reviewing the possibility of requiring masks in school again. Dr. Doris Greenspun, the CEO of the Nurses Association, says delays in enacting public health measures have had dire consequences on vulnerable populations like seniors in the past, and the government must act urgently this time to protect children before it's too late. Now at Queen's Park, the Ontario Liberals are calling for universal masking in schools and on transit. Adil Shamji, a Liberal MPP who is also an emergency room physician, called for decisive actions to be taken for universal masking. Asking. Dr. Fahad Razik, the former scientific director of the province's voluntary science table, says the province needs a mask mandate to address the ongoing crisis within pediatric ERs. We'll see what happens there, but there's a good news for students at Western University. Yeah, a walkout has been averted at Western, according to an update posted by the school late last night. They've struck a tentative deal with the union representing more than 1,500 faculty members and librarians. 
the University of Western Ontario Faculty Association was ready to strike this morning if a collective agreement had not been reached. Now, the tentative deal means classes will proceed as scheduled today. It'll be business as usual on campus. Both sides will soon hold ratification votes. The details of the new agreement have not been released, but when they were negotiating, the main sticking points included equal access to benefits and job security for contract faculty members. And the world's population has hit a new milestone. Yeah, the world's population will reach 8 billion people today. In a statement, the UN says the figure meant 1 billion people had been added to the global population in just 12 years. Middle-income countries, mostly in Asia, accounted for most of the growth over the past decade, gaining some 700 million people since 2011. India added about 180 million people and is set to surpass China as the world's most populous nation next year. Having more people on Earth puts more pressure on nature as people compete with wildlife for food, water and space. Meanwhile, experts say rapid population growth combined, or combined with climate change is also likely to cause mass migration and conflict in coming decades. Although more people certainly consume more energy and put more carbon dioxide in the air, experts say it's not a simple numbers game. It's about consumption. The poorest half of the world's population only produces 7% of carbon emissions. Experts say it's not too many people, but rich people polluting too much. Let's check out what happened on this day in history. In 1492, Christopher Columbus noted in his journal the use of tobacco among indigenous peoples. It was the first recorded reference to tobacco. In 1889, Brazil's monarchy was overthrown. A republic was proclaimed following the ouster of Dom Pedro II, the country's second and last emperor. In 1926, the National Broadcasting Company made its debut with a radio network of 24 stations in the United States. In 1948, William Lyon Mackenzie King resigned as Prime Minister after holding the job longer than anyone, more than 21 years. He was succeeded by Louis St. Laurent. In 1960, the United States launched its first nuclear-powered Polaris missile submarine, the George Washington, into the Atlantic Ocean. In 1966, the flight of Gemini 12 ended successfully as astronauts James A. Lovell and Edwin Buzz Aldrin Jr. splashed down safely in the Atlantic. In 1979, the British government publicly identified art historian Sir Anthony Blunt as the fourth man of a high-level Soviet spy ring that also included Guy Burgess, Donald McLean, and Kim Philby. In 1984, Baby Faye, the month-old baby who received a baboon heart transplant on October the 26th, died. She was the longest surviving recipient of an animal heart transplant, an operation performed only four times previously and never before on an infant. In 1999, Team Canada and the 1972 Summit Series was named the greatest team of the century in the Canadian Press Survey of Canada Sports Journalists. In 2004, San Francisco Giants slugger Barry Bonds won a record seventh National League MVP award and at the age of 40 became the oldest player to win one. In 2007, a video recording of Polish immigrant Robert Dzanski's dying after being stunned by a taser by RCMP at a Vancouver International Airport generated outrage, the B.C. government ordered a public inquiry a few days later. On this day in 2012, oil giant BP 
agreed to pay $4.5 billion U.S., including a record $1.3 billion in criminal fines in a wide-ranging settlement with the United States government over the 2010 oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. And on this day in 2021, the federal government completed a bilateral $10-a-day child care deal with nine provinces and territories. Ontario, New Brunswick, Nunavut, and the Northwest Territories had yet to sign on. Celebrating a birthday today, we have Sam Waterston turns 82, Beverly D'Angelo is 71, Johnny Lee Miller turns 50, Chad Kroger from Nickelback is now 48, and Shailene Woodley turns 31. Those are your headlines for today.